Brian Gardner is a designer and successful WordPress entrepreneur. He is also the founder of StudioPress, the theme company behind the popular Genesis framework. On our podcast, Brian shares his fascinating story, starting out as a project manager in an architectural firm and making a complete turnaround to running his own theme company, which was recently acquired by WP Engine. Brian and I go into an interesting discussion about what he calls intentionality without trickery, incorporating honesty and truth in business. So don't miss the second part of this interview. So Brian, I'm thrilled to have you over in our podcast. It's great to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure to be here. I'd like to start off by, you know, the very start. So how it all started for you, even before Studio Press. Yeah, so I was uh, about, oh gosh, 11 years now. I was a project manager at an architectural firm, and uh, I was doing uh, estimating of projects for laboratory space, very non-internet related. And... Wait, wait, estimation of laboratory space? <laughs> yes. Yes. So, so we would, uh, uh, for schools and hospitals, they would uh, have us come in and design laboratory space. We would install all of the, the cabinets and the countertops and sort of uh, do all of that. So my particular job was to estimate the cost of the projects. Uh, and so, like I said, it was, it was very not specific to the internet and what I'm doing today. Uh, but one thing I did learn there when I was there, I was there with a, a number of older folks who were working with us. And so I sort of became the de facto computer guy uh, just by nature of my age. And so I, I taught myself mm-hmm. a lot of things uh, as it pertains to the computer. Uh, WordPress was one of them. And, and so I started blogging and uh, started using WordPress and mess- started messing around with the, the themes, really sort of enjoyed the idea and the process of uh, changing CSS and sort of uh, seeing how that goes, playing with colors and fonts and so on. And what were the predominant themes back then? Uh, well, they were all free. They were <clears throat> the uh, <laughs> WPThemes.net. Yeah, yeah. Kubrick was <laughs> uh, one of them, and the one that I actually downloaded was a, a theme called Pool P O O L by Borja Fernandez. I uh, don't know if if that particular person is still in the WordPress space, but anyway. Uh, it was just a good place to start. And so I opened up all the theme files and uh, I have a little bit of OCD. So I went in and um, sort of formatted everything and and kind of made it my own and started using that as just sort of the foundation theme for for my personal blog. So how, how did you know like the PHP and uh, the CSS and everything? You know, uh, with Google, I was able to sort of figure out the PHP mm. stuff. I didn't touch much of the PHP back then. It was really just more manipulation of CSS and I was all I was all self-taught, so I would I would Google how to, you know, what a hex code was and how to do this and that, and you know, line by line, I would I would make a change. I would publish via FTP. I would refresh the screen to see what happened, and slowly, sort of, just started to understand um, a couple things. One, just how how that all worked, but more importantly, uh, how much I enjoyed the process. And and what breaks it, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what what came next, like? Yeah, so I started blogging on WordPress while working and um, started really enjoying kind of the the idea of the, the blogosphere, as it was called back then. And so I started to, uh, I built a little bit of a following, just people who were interested in what I was doing with WordPress and all that. And so I, I started creating uh, free themes that were available to download. Uh, so folks, because I mm-hmm. really enjoyed WordPress and I'm like, well, I really enjoyed this and maybe I can get a few links back to the site if I create some themes and let people... Uh, download for free and little by little that type of uh, setup precluded to um, 
some freelance gigs. Some people would say, I downloaded your free theme. You know, can I pay you a little bit just to customize it a little bit more for me? Mm. Uh, and so it, you know, became sort of like a moonlighting job, what we call vacation money, you know, a few hundred bucks yeah. here, a few hundred bucks there. Uh, and then a real estate agent guy from Boston asked me to do a, a kind of a custom design uh, for his real estate blog. And so I, uh, I did something uh, for him and uh, actually created like a home PHP file and kind of hard coded some content areas and tried to push WordPress a little further than it was just a blogging platform back in the day. And uh, he rejected the design. He didn't need all of that. But uh, that ultimately was the original revolution theme. And uh, yeah. I didn't know I didn't know what I wanted to do at that point with with the theme. I thought it was really cool, and so I went on my blog and I asked if anybody would buy a WordPress theme, and uh, hundreds of comments back in that time, uh, and that led me to believe that there was uh, certainly a market for people who would be willing to buy it. And so I packaged it up in a way that it could be sold and put it on a, a site called RevolutionTheme.com, and uh, away we went. What do you think made that initial success? Like, what uh, what was it? Was it uh, the the trust that people already had uh, with your content, or was it the theme itself? Like, what was the selling point? You know, it was probably a combination of of probably three things. Like you said, the the trust that my audience had, people who sort of kind of were following me and a fan of the work, uh, the fact that it it pushed WordPress a little further than just a blogging platform. It made people think that they could use WordPress. Uh, to build websites, sort of more of a, a real CMS than just specifically blogging mm. platform. And then quite honestly, uh, it was the opportunity, the fact that no one else had done it. And so for me, you know, part of my whole story was just sort of luck and the accidental entrepreneur and that uh, no one was doing it and there was a market for it. And I was the first one there. So how did that evolve into like a framework and a company? Yeah, so so when I launched Revolution Theme, uh, I sold uh, ten thousand dollars the first month, twenty the next, forty the next, and eighty the next. And so four months in, uh, this was generating close to a hundred thousand dollars a month. And I knew at that point that there was a real business opportunity for me. And so I quit my job and uh, really went after Revolution Theme and created a second and third one. And then at that point, uh, sort of got on the map of the, the greater internet and uh, a company mm -hmm. from the United Kingdom sent me a cease and desist letter actually uh, saying that revolution theme uh, was sort of, I guess, confusing in the market space. And so I had to rebrand and that's when I chose to rebrand as Studio Press. And so Studio Press rebranded, we started uh, doing offering more themes and it got, it got to a point where I realized that there was a lot of similar code base within each theme. And, and I'm like, there's gotta be a better way to to build these themes so that there can be sort of a centralized set of code that just the designs went on top of. And that's when I reached out to Nathan Rice, who is the developer, the main developer of the Genesis framework, still with us today over at WP Engine. And so I pitched to him the idea. I said, hey, look, I got like 10 themes here. 80% of the code in them is shared. Uh, is there something that we can do? And I think right at that point, maybe even been Justin Tadlock, somebody was sort of talking about the idea, maybe Ian Stewart, maybe was the other guy sort of talking about like the idea of a parent and child theme. And he said, yeah, we can build a, a, a theme framework. Uh, and then on top of that, we can just sort of lay skins. And that's sort of how the evolution of Genesis became. Interesting. And so you pretty much from the start, you had two brands. So how was managing? I mean, what are the what were the you know pros and cons of that? 
Yeah, so we have obviously Studio Press is the main brand. That's where where all of this started. Uh, and then, of course, Genesis, the framework, kind of became a sub-brand underneath that. And so a lot of people have always known Studio Press as the company and Genesis as the product. So there hasn't been a huge you know, amount mm -hmm. of kind of confusion, confusion in the space. And so we've been able to sort of kind of play off of that. We really haven't launched much under Studio Press outside of Genesis and our themes. So for the most part, people just sort of understand how it's all set up. Yeah, and also while we're talking about that, a huge community, I mean, of, of I would say super fans uh, formed also around uh, uh, Genesis. Can you share a bit? Like, I, I remember I, I tried to post something back uh, when we launched Elementor and I, 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 I just found that the people who were really enthusiastic and like uh, super fans. Yeah, you know what really happened? I've always been a community-minded guy. I've always loved to gather people and bring people together. And what happened when we launched Genesis, uh, I think a lot of people just understood why we did it and what we were trying to accomplish with it. And so what it did was it provided folks who were in this the freelance developer and designer space uh, sort of a, a really good solid solution where they could use and sort of understand a central set of uh, code base and then be able to offer various designs to their clients. So it really kind of, you know, worked into uh, the system there. And, and ultimately, when um, when Chris Pearson and Brian Clark had their uh, parting of ways back in the day, uh, Brian Clark is our CEO at Copyblogger, yeah. and uh, he was partners yeah. with Chris at uh, with with the theme called Thesis. Uh, a lot of developers who were sort of working on the thesis framework came over to Genesis at that point. And so I really understood that there was some power in that community, not just a user community, but sort of a mid-level, uh, you know, designer developer community. And so people started using Genesis and, and our products to build their own companies. Uh, some, some freelanced, some became educational people around Genesis. A lot of people have created themes and have sold themes. We have a marketplace on StudioPress where we have third-party uh, developers who sell themes. And so over the years, it's just really gotten strong because there's been a real camaraderie that has come up with people teaching other people and helping other people by way of the forums and social media and stuff like that. So um, it's probably by far my favorite part of what happened in all of my story was just the community that developed around it. Did you uh, actively do something to promote it, like meetups or, I don't know, raffles? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we haven't, you know, we really haven't had many meetups. Uh, we have over the years kind of piggybacked around major events like South by Southwest uh, or certain WordCamps. We've done a couple meetups around uh, WordCamp when it was in San Francisco. Last year, we did a really big meetup down at WordCamp US, and we'll have another one this coming uh, December when we're down there in WordCamp US. Uh, we've we've kind of thrown around the idea at times of doing sort of like a Genesis conference, which I think would be pretty well attended, although we just it just never came to fruition. So outside of those, really what it's just kind of come down to is just using social media and just the internet and our blogs and our platform to help promote the work of other people. Uh, on Studio Press, we have a recommended developer page where folks can come and identify uh, people to hire. We showcase their work. And so it's, it's really a good back and forth sort of built in system that way. I think it was over a year and a half ago that you started uh, your hosting uh, on Studio Press. So can uh, you yeah. share a bit how that happened? Yeah. So even before what we did with Studio Press, Copyblogger Media, our, our parent company, 
got into the hosting space with a with a line of business called Synthesis. And so uh, we figured it just it made sense. We had a huge audience of people who were you know writers and bloggers over at Copyblogger. We had the product over at Studio Press, uh, the themes, and it just sort of made sense for us to to do some some lightweight hosting. And so we we launched uh, Synthesis and built that product lineup to to a six figure a month line of business. And then we sort of spun off that idea and tried to build a sort of all-in-one solution for marketers called Rainmaker. And then we took the best of what we learned in both of those situations and thought it made sense to bring it back and sort of keep it simple for the studio press users because there are so many customers that we have, uh, almost a quarter of a million customers. And so we thought, you know what, maybe it just it's an easier, better, seamless experience if we sort of sunset synthesis as its own separate brand, kind of roll it up into uh, what we called Studio Press Sites, which we launched uh, in early 2017, I believe, and so that was uh, that was welcomed uh, very much by a lot of our customers. These are a lot of uh, you know different businesses, and how did did you manage go, growing from you know being the that uh, having it as a side business to you know managing several businesses at a time and uh, you know delegating all the, all the tasks and whatnot. Well, nine years ago, uh, this this September actually is when Studio Press. Uh, I made the decision to roll that into Copyblogger Media, and when I did that, along with it came sort of a, an infrastructure and a little bit larger company where we ultimately grew to almost fifty five or sixty at one point. And so uh, we had people, we hired people uh, to you know to to sort of go off into the the silos that we called them. Where we had folks who, you know, handled support on the hosting side and handled support on the studio press side, and um, you know, ultimately just grew the company to where we as partners didn't have to do everything by ourselves anymore. And so, from that perspective, it was just a matter of intentionally sort of um, setting up these uh, lines of business and making sure that we had the right people to run them. So, how would you say? Uh, I mean, in the past few months, how is your uh, time divided? Uh, well, <laughs> the past few months have been a big change because of the whole acquisition of WP Engine. So um, that kind of automatically split the company up a little bit. And, you know, we've made a lot of changes since then just because of uh, that acquisition. How did it, did, did that that come from their initiation or did you initiate, how, how did it evolve? So towards the end of last year, we as partners were, were talking about what to do with Studio Press. We, we had launched Studio Press sites. It was doing really well. But we felt like, you know, we, we had Rainmaker, we had Copyblogger, we had Studio Press, we had just sunset some of the other lines of business. And we just realized that there was something missing that we, you know, it didn't get the attention that it deserved, even though we were doing stuff with it. It just, I had a bigger vision for it. And, you know, at the time, the Gutenberg project was sort of, starting to kind of catch some traction and steam and, and all of that. And and I, I approached Brian Clark, our CEO. I said, look, I, I think it's time to sell Studio Press. It's probably a, a opportune uh, time. I think it was shortly after um, iThemes was acquired by Liquid Web. And of course, we know Automatic uh, took over uh, WooCommerce. And I've just like, I just felt like it was the right time to find a bigger partner. And so um, at WordCamp US, he and I had dinner one night and, and we sort of had that conversation where we're like, OK, we all agree that this is, you know, this is the time. So we, we reached out to um, a handful of folks, didn't necessarily take it to market kind of in the traditional sense. But with all of the, the connections and the, the friends that we have in our space, we reached out to the you know handful of folks that made sense. 
all of which were hosting companies. And so uh, we had individual conversations which, with each of them sort of to gauge interest and, and you know, WP Engine just became the one with the right fit. One question that I had from a user was the, you know, the future of StudioPress inside WP Engine and how it would affect uh, third-party Genesis team developers. How do you see it uh, panning out? Well, as it stands now, uh, I, I think it's a great thing, not just for the, the, the brand StudioPress, but everybody who's building around it. Part of the negotiations with WP Engine was that they were um, they they found all the value in sort of the the community and of course the brand and the product, but they actually really bought into the community. And so uh, one of the things that they decided to do, uh, which is one of the reasons why we decided to sell, uh, was make a commitment to building the framework and enlarging and in enabling the community to continue to do more work and better work. Uh, and so part of that is um, addition of some more resources, developers and and designers in house that we will use to sort of further the framework and open up more uh, opportunities for third-party theme sellers, uh, either on StudioPress or even on their own. I mean, it's great to sell themes on StudioPress, but I really encourage everybody out there to um, to also not rely specifically on that, but to help build their own brands on their own sites. Uh, and we, we really go out of our way. And I personally do as much as I can to help promote the work of other people, because in the end, you know, your brand is what matters and, and the distribution yeah. studio press gives is great, but it's also, you know, something that they shouldn't necessarily bank on much in the same way that we call you know, digital sharecropping with content, same sort of thing where, you know, ultimately I want to see people flourish under their own, their own names and their own brands. Definitely. I know one of the, I would say a fundamental differentiator of studio of Genesis is the being, you know, SEO oriented and uh, SEO optimized. And this is a feat that I think all themes try to be, but not all, um, especially not uh, frameworks succeed. How do you think you managed to differentiate? Was that the community or was that the, the code standards? Like what made that happen? You know, we just decided that, you know, it would be a really good selling feature to to as much as it made sense to sort of bake in some lightweight SEO, you know, options and features within Genesis. We know, of course, Yoast SEO is out there and we certainly didn't want to compete on a high level with what he was doing. But we also had a lot of people who were using our themes who who didn't want to use that, who thought, you know, all of that control was was too much. And so we took the feedback from folks and say, hey, we just want to be able to set a custom title, a custom description, you know, maybe some open graph tags or whatever. Uh, and so we built the framework in a way uh, where obviously the, the HTML5 markup is there, schema sort of built in, the ability to, to dictate what that output looks like. And then we brought in uh, Greg Bozer, who's sort of a, a world famous SEO expert to just go through Genesis and just make sure just the general, uh, you know, the headings in certain spots were the right H1s, H2s and things like that, just to you know, at the very least, put our, our users and customers in the best position possible with minimal effort. Yeah, that's great. And I think probably because it's SEO oriented, then it drew the third party developers that were as also SEO oriented. So they they continued uh, where that left off. Mm -hmm. Yep. So in the midst of all that, you also have several sites of your personal brand. You, you called it before uh, 
night shift. How do you you call it? Like working on the side or or the night shift. So you actually continue to to do that with no sidebar and authentic, right? Yeah, you know, one thing I, I realized as much as I had loved Studio Press, you know, seven, eight, nine years into it, I needed to have my own creative outlet. Uh, I wanted to kind of be a customer of our own products and just be able to do something that was outside of just building WordPress themes all day long. And so uh, no sidebar, I, you know, I had my personal blog and still do at BrianGardner.com. That's always been sort of a sandbox for uh, WordPress design and development and tutorials and so on. But I wanted to do something a little bit different. And so I created a, a website and a movement called No Sidebar, which was sort of my my way of sort of trying to encourage the web to simplify. Uh, initially, it was a little bit more of a, a literal sense of removing sidebars from websites. Uh, but then I kind of spun off into a uh, more of a figurative direction, which was just in life, removing the things that get in the way. And so, uh, so that was probably three and a half years ago that I launched No Sidebar. Uh, and, you know, in the midst of that, that became sort of like a minimalism blog and like there, there's still another part of me that I want to I want to do and that that ultimately was um, what I'm working on now which is uh, authentic.com that's authentic with the K and uh, that is where I'm going to help creative entrepreneurs build an honest brand digital platform just giving folks the encouragement the tools the community because uh, there's so many people who, like me, 10, 11, 12 years ago, want to leave their day jobs, want to pursue their dreams and passions, um, have skills to do stuff. They just need some help to get there. Well, I have two questions follow, following that. Because first of all, uh, minimalism, is that something that you like practice in life and then translated it into you know content? And how does that f- fit into... Um, you know, business feature, feature rich business and, uh, you know, consumerism, like, you know, it, it actually was the other way around where it, it wasn't a lifestyle that I lived. And then I started writing about, it was more driven out of sort of personal frustration of, on some things first with, with websites and then just life in general, where I realized, you know, being a, a founder and, you know, owner of a company and, and all this stuff, it's very easy to digitally get, um, yourself in all kinds of you know projects and, and time consuming things in the schedule and all that. And it just kind of came out of frustration. Where I was like, man, I, I'm working too much. I feel too busy. I don't have time to do things I want to do. And so that's really what No Sidebar became. And kind of through that really became more of an, an ideology in life, uh, living with less. It kind of became a byproduct of the the No Sidebar movement where I sort of became my own, my own, uh, my own fan where I realized you know, there's something here. And, and so we started taking some of the principles that we were talking about and, and others were writing about on the site, you know, I would start to incorporate into our life. Uh, for instance, uh, we were living in a really large home and I and got to a point where I felt convicted about that. I'm like, you know, there's no reason we need to spend this much money on this house to be happy. In fact, it's actually doing the opposite. And so, uh, so we sold our house a year, about actually a year and a half ago. Uh, and downsized our house and, and we're happier. And I like there's so much life lesson in that, uh, whether it's your house or your closet or your website or relationships or schedule or whatever. It was just I felt like it was part of my mission to sort of help spread that word. And so that sort of crosses over to to authentic, too, because, you know, through all of that experience, I learned as a business owner and as an entrepreneur and as a creative sort of the same principles 
kind of have, have made their way into that part of my life. And so authentic is going to be part sort of intentional living and all that kind of stuff, but also um, from the, the design and creative side of me, uh, some of that too. That's interesting. And I think that's that also connects to what I read on the Rainmaker site regarding the how the your your I think it's your about page where you where Brian writes about you know how content marketing is a, a different way of uh, of doing marketing than the conventional way but we we see now a surge of this I, I would say talk about honest uh, transparent marketing transparent businesses startups like Drift and Help Scout how do you see the two opposite um, views yeah i i'm a fan to the max of sort of intentionality and, and part of that is uh, intent intentionality without trickery i i hate certain practices on the internet things uh that that sort of not necessarily misleading but I, i've just i've always been a fan of being honest and you know upfront and transparent and that's the way I want to do my business. And I think that there's, you know, there's an allure to that, right? Because I think we've gotten to a point where uh, people have sort of recognized the traditional ways of marketing and launching products and things like that have kind of made people feel duped. Like they like they were tricked into buying things and, and whatnot and broken promises and unfulfilled, you know, obligations and so on. And I, and I was like, there, there's a better way to do the internet. And a lot of that has to do with sort of going back to the basics and fundamentals of, of life and content and, and, you know, all of that. And, uh, you know, a practical example is the, you know, the, the opt-in form in a sidebar above the fold, right? The, everything had to be above the fold back in the day. Yeah. And of course, with, with mobile devices, the, the, the fold is different and just we interact with content differently now. And so, you know, the no sidebar movement was really just a matter of, hey, all the stuff in the sidebar, all the things that you're your marketing gurus tell you you need to have and all that. It's really actually getting in the way of, of your business and, you know, conversion and optimizations and, you know, all of that yeah. stuff. And, and so that's that's sort of kind of how No Sidebar started. And, you know, it's just it's the way I do my world. It's my life. I don't I don't do it any other way. And, you know, authentic moving forward is really going to be sort of identifying those types of practices and just, you know, helping and encouraging others to do the same stuff. That's great. I think that the one big shift is like uh, the, how marketing used to be is like all promises, like, you know, here's how you can work one hour and earn, uh, you know, thousands of dollars. And I think one of the changes is that uh, the responsibility is, is now of, of the consumer is not being like the marketer says, OK, you're going to have to work hard. It's not something that people uh, marketers uh, hide anymore. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. As the guy from Studio Press, what what were the the lessons that you learned over the years, like the the rule of thumbs that you you would uh, teach, you know, an upcoming uh, entrepreneur? You know, so customer first. I've always been a customer a customer focused person. Prior to my my day job at the uh, architectural firm, I worked at a convenience store, and so I worked fifty hours a week serving people. And I realized how important customer services and taking care of people and making them feel comfortable is. Uh, and even with Studio Press, whether it be support or on our forums or whatever, uh, there's a lot of people who aren't at the same place I was at. And so um, just putting putting their needs and identifying, you know, what's the best way to help the customer uh, has always been sort of at, at the top of, uh, of my personal list. And so, uh, you know, WP Engine has the same value. So, you know, when we were talking with them, you know, it was important to them 
just as much as if not more than it was for our own you know sake uh, so customer service has always been sort of at the forefront of what we do mm -hmm. and so what is what does the the, the the next couple of years hold for you I mean how will you will you focus mostly on authentic will you continue to to be in in the central cent, central part of uh, studio press yeah so right now I'm uh, sort of product evangelist and community strategist <laughs> on the studio press line of business over at WP engine uh, and I don't see that changing I love what we built I love where we're going I love the team that we've formed with the addition of some some new folks uh, and so what, as far what's as the I know, product of evangelist exactly can you uh... <laughs> uh, well just talking you know going out mm -hmm. into the public I there's certain parts of the business that I'm not going to be involved with anymore uh, but you know being the community guy, Uh, talking about Genesis and what we're doing with Genesis and sort of how that uh, weaves into the the WP engine uh, digital strategy uh, you know situation so it's spokesperson it's a terrible way to say it but um, but just continue to kind of be what I've always done with studio press uh, authentic will also become a part of my my you know that that's another part of what I'm going to focus on sort of moving forward so um, it's going to be pretty much those two things I've got a couple of other smaller side projects that I'm working on. Uh, but that, that that they don't take up too much time. Yeah, I, I like your, your go-getter approach. You're also a, a marathon runner, right? Uh, not marathon runner, but long distance runner. Half marathons <laughs> okay. are half marathons are my distance, and so uh, yeah. So you know, I think um, going back to your question with lessons, you know, learned. Uh, one of the things I realized is just how important sort of the idea of mental health and just taking care of yourself and wellness, whether it be physical wellness, mental wellness, and all that. And so running for me has always been sort of my outlet. Uh, creatively, it means I'm not in front of the computer, which is sometimes a good thing. And so I always encourage people to sort of identify it. Like, what's the one or two things you can do outside of, you know, the internet to sort of stimulate your brain and, and to give you some joy? Definitely. And how, how do you see today's uh, change uh, in terms of uh, the you know, the huge growth of uh, Elementor or our competitors, uh, Gutenberg, like how do you see uh, today's um, change in WordPress? You know, I it, it, it's an interesting time to ask the question. I mean, we're right on the, the heels of, you know, Gutenberg supposedly being merged into core. Uh, I, I definitely think WordPress is changing. I think WordPress is still so very big that there's room for, you know, Uh, Elementor and you know Beaver Builder and Genesis and you know the the sort of the software frameworks and things like that that are in the space. Uh, I definitely think it's going to be uh, you know who pivots and who can sort of work within the new direction of WordPress because I certainly don't see that changing. Uh, and so you know it, it's an interesting time for sure in the space. Yeah, definitely. Uh, plus, you know, uh, external competition from CMSs and. Uh... Yeah, it's we're 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 in for a, for a ride. <laughs> That's oh, for yeah. sure. Yep. And and the role of, of of the content marketer, like how do you see it today? It's getting very difficult, you know, um, with with the competition writing those. It's a recurring question that I have, like writing those uh, long uh, articles. How do you see as a content marketer for now eleven years? How do you see it? You know, I think really what people need to do is what works for them. I think so many people sort of try to go down the route of you know, what they've been told to do, which doesn't necessarily always work either 
within the way they they like to work themselves or uh, you know, I think there's just there's an opportunity for folks to be different. I think everyone tries to be better than the next person and, you know, one up them in some way. And I think the people who are really starting to succeed, at least now, I mean, 10 years ago, it was different. But at least now it's the people who put themselves out there, the people who, uh, you know, do videos behind the scenes of the stuff that they're doing, because that's where people are interested in the, the production uh, and the ability to sort of, you know, portray images and so on it's great but i think people are starting to sniff sniff the fake stuff and so uh part of what authentic is and just you know hey this is this is the real story of my entrepreneurial journey both good and bad because i think people need to hear hey where did you go wrong what did you learn uh what are the lessons as you just asked that that you know that you've learned because I want to learn from that. It's not just, oh, do this and you make a thousand dollars because it's not that easy anymore. There's there's way too much competition. Everybody's trying to do something online now. I think they're like 50% of the world is like self-employed. So there's just, you know, I, I think that the content person who decides to sort of stay true to their, their selves and um, themselves and, uh, you know, just try to just be unique and be creative and and not sort of fit the mold of a cookie cutter person. I totally agree because I think because of the the many options from, you know, from podcasts and and content and video and uh, the different platforms, there are so many opportunities and that can be confusing. And I think if someone has genuine love for what they're doing, they're going to succeed if they put their hearts in it. And if they just want to copy you know, copy this strategy and then switch and copy that strategy, they're just going to get lost in, in, in you know, in the noise. Yeah, there's a, a great Wayne Gretzky quote, which goes, uh, a good hockey player skates to where the puck is and a great hockey player skates to where it's going to be. And so that is sort of something I've always tried to live by, which is, you know, what's the next version of what we're doing now? Because if, you know, right now it's already too late, right? Because everyone's doing it. It's already in production and there's already, you know, a bunch of people doing something. And it's like, what's the next version of, you know, a podcast or what's the next version of other types of content or media? You know, is it long form copy or is it back to sort of short form copy? I mean, are we, you know, ebbing and flowing and it makes more sense. People's attentions are smaller. So maybe it makes more sense to sort of do the microblog thing uh, just because people can't digest, you know, 2,500 word articles anymore. And so, yeah. you know, it's really just a matter of identifying kind of what you're passionate about and, and fitting the need that you see out there. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I'm, I'm really interested in, in following up and seeing how you develop with Authentic, because it sounds like something that's uh, also right up the alley of this uh, podcast that uh, we're creating. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Brian, any, anything you want to share about how people can reach you and... Uh, like uh, what? Uh, what are you selling? No. <laughs> <laughs> what am like, I selling? Uh, yeah, that, that's the we, we came to this part of the of the of the show. Uh, well, obviously, you know, you can find what we're doing over at WPNZ at StudioPress.com. Personally, Twitter is always a great place to connect with me because I'm usually pretty active on there. It's at B Gardner. Uh, of course, Authentic.com, Authentic with a K. Uh, is where I'll be doing all of all of that stuff. And that's where I'll be selling what I'm selling uh, when the time comes. So right now I'm sort of in audience building mode and just trying to identify, you know, what direction I want to take it. Uh, but again, like I, I just said, you know, I don't want to create another course because there's a billion courses out there. So what am I going to do yeah. there? Uh, I've got a few ideas. I've written about them recently on the blog there. So 
that's uh, those are the best places to get a hold of me. Okay, that's that's very interesting. So, Brian, thanks for doing the interview, and uh, let's uh, check up uh, in the future. Yeah, sounds great. Thank you so much for having me. Bye bye.